Great. Thanks, James. Yeah, if you don't know me, my name's Lee. I'm on the team here. And um, it's a fantastic church to be part of. Do we agree? Hallelujah. And um, it, it's just an amazing place to be at the moment. I really sense that the Lord is on the move. And looking back just over three and a half years, um, the, the testimony that have been shared from across this church, what God has done in and through this place is nothing short of extraordinary. And that is the God whom we serve the God who loves us and is so kind and gracious that we're able to saturate ourselves in the goodness that he's lavished upon us even today. God is so good. He is so generous. And that is what we're going to be exploring together this morning. So if you've got a Bible, do turn to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be working through this together verse by verse. It's a beautiful passage of scripture that is full of challenge for each and every one of us. No one is exempt and we're going to go on a little bit of a journey together this morning. But as James said, we're in the middle of a vision series 2023. What is God calling us to here at St. Thomas's for the next year and the season ahead? And uh, this is our fourth week and so far we've looked at why St. Thomas's is here. St. Thomas's is here to see the kingdom of God come in the north east as in heaven. For our communities to be transformed with the good news of Jesus and for the gospel of Jesus to affect every sphere of society. For the kingdom to come in our schools, in our universities, workplaces, in our streets. To see the kingdom of God come in our families in, um, in injustice, in sickness, that every knee would bow to the name of Jesus, that poverty would be eradicated as the good news of Jesus is shared and that God would release his power and his presence among us. Ben opened up the series a few weeks ago and says that the one way in which we can see that happen is to play our small part in church planting. Church planting movement that would impact this diocese, impact the region and beyond us. Communities of hope are literally planted in different areas across this region. And in order to get to that place, we feel God has called us to focus on some, some specific things this year. You know, at St. Thomas's, um, we're all about following Jesus, building community and loving Newcastle. That is what we are about. That is our DNA and we're called to inhabit that as a church community. And this year, we want to focus on encounter as we follow Jesus. Adam spoke brilliantly a few weeks ago about how we want to encounter uh, or encounter to mark everything that we do and all that we're about. Pursuing an encounter with God literally changes everything and ultimately if it changes us changed people change others yeah we want to see that don't we and last week James spoke about radical family as we seek to build community in this place that goes beyond this place we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and how we all have um, individual parts to play in building community because we all have gifts and we're all welcome 
we're all valued, we're all loved, because we are all family. And this week, we're thinking about what it looks like to be loving Newcastle and how we need to be a people that is marked by generosity as we seek to love this city, which God has called us to be. Now, I wonder why you love the Northeast. If I'm being honest with you, when, I, when we felt the Lord um, calling us to Newcastle the first time, we thought, no, we don't want to move to a city. Everything about a city just puts us off. It scares us. We really didn't want to move here, but the Lord's call and pull was so strong that it would have been simply disobedient not to have moved here. And you know what? Since we've been here, we love it. It's the most special place, I think, in the United Kingdom. Oh. So what do people love about Newcastle? Um, people say they love Newcastle because of the people, the culture, the restaurants, the food, the history, the coastline, the nightlife. Don't get much of that these days. And I'll move on. The architecture. Thank you, Dom. <laughs> Bridges. Now, all of that is true, isn't it? Yes, we love Newcastle. But the reason we should love our city, this beautiful Newcastle, is because Jesus loves it. Now, don't forget, all of human history ends with a brand new city, the new Jerusalem. Let me just remind you of that. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth disappeared and there was no sea anymore. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It was prepared like a bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now God's presence is with people and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, sadness, crying or pain because all the old ways are gone. Church, one day this will be our dwelling place, the new city, the eternal city. This is the ultimate city we want to point people of Newcastle and beyond to the new Jerusalem. For now, whilst we live here on earth as citizens of this place, Jesus calls us, doesn't he, to pray, your kingdom come. And we commit our part as brothers and sisters in doing our part in longing, contending and partnering with God's spirit to see his kingdom come here on earth right now. And so we are to love Newcastle because we get to co-partner with God in building this foretaste of the new city here on earth as it is in heaven. Wow, just think about that. Whilst we're here on earth, we get to co-partner with God in building that new city here on earth as in heaven. The question is, how are you and I meant to love Newcastle? And so we're going to read this passage together now, Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14. 
Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man, a man there who was not wearing the wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Wow, what a passage. So here we have Jesus telling a parable about a wedding banquet. And if we take a look at verse two, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet. Not just any wedding banquet, a banquet that a king has prepared for his son. This isn't just any feast that's happening. Scripture, in fact, tells us that on the day, it is going to be the most extravagant feast because God is generous and God is an extravagant God. You wanna know where it says that? Isaiah 25 verse six, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Now that sounds like heaven to me, does it you? Because that is gonna be literally heaven, praise the Lord. Now we are talking about the best Chateauneuf de Pape and the most succulent of sirloin steak that in fact Helen and I enjoyed last night with Rachel as we had a lovely meal out. Beautiful. It melts on your tongue. This is what we're going to experience, folks, for eternity. Just watch your salt intake for all eternity. Friends, it's going to be worth waiting for. Now, a few years ago, I went on holiday to Spain and I thought I had a foretaste of heaven right before me as we went to an all-you-can-eat meat restaurant. They literally came round and they shaved bits of meat off and if you eaten the meat on your plate, they came out with more steaks 
And I have a tendency, and this is me being accountable to everyone here and whoever's watching across the world, to be gluttonous. Okay, so just watch me at the back with the biscuits, please, and call me out. You have my permission. I overdosed too much on this free meat, all right? I was literally sweating out the meat by the end of the evening. It was not good. It was uh, completely sinful. But I thought, at first, this is a foretaste of heaven. How wrong I was a couple of hours later. But friends, Jesus is painting here in the parable a picture of who God is. He's generous. He's so generous, in fact, that he would give himself in the person of Jesus on the cross. That's how generous his love is for you and for me. Jesus loves us to death so that we can share in the feast God has in store for us. It doesn't make sense, does it? that God should send his son to die for us in our place, for you and for me. And we still get to share in all the riches of heaven. It doesn't make sense. But by the grace of God, this is generosity. Let's take a look at verse three. Invites have been sent out and the king tells his servants to go and tell everybody that this extravagant feast is ready. And they refuse to come. Imagine refusing this generosity. Now here, there's some thought that actually Jesus might be referring to the religious leaders, the ones who failed to come because they couldn't see that Jesus was the Messiah. Even though they were expecting the Messiah, they couldn't recognise him. In fact, what did they do? They rejected him and they plotted to even kill him. They well and truly missed the party. And we see the outrageous generosity of the king who extends a wide invitation to everybody. Nobody is excluded. The party is open to anyone who will accept the king's invitation. Friends, God's kingdom, the eternal banquet, is open to anyone who will accept the King of Kings invitation to the everlasting feast. Verse four, the King lavishes even more generosity. It doesn't stop there. He keeps on giving because what does he do? He sends out more servants. He say, Jesus says, tell those who have been invited, that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Now we see in this verse, the persistence of the king. He's not gonna give up. He keeps on inviting, going out, being generous. He wants to lavish it upon everybody. The kindness of God is that he will persist even with you and me because he is so keen to restore us into relationship with him. And we even get a foretaste of this menu prepared. It's beyond generous. It's abundant provision. It's for anyone who accepts. The meat is ready. It's butchered ready to go on the grill. 
And he says, come, come, come. You know, when someone says that to you, come. It's not for another day, it's for now. There's a sense of urgency to the invitation. You have to come now. Do not delay because you'll miss it. And there's an urgency to responding to the invitation of the king. Have you responded to the invitation of the king? Because can you imagine the disrespect in saying no to the king's invitation, the dishonor that would bring? Of course, we know that there are eternal consequences of saying no to the king's invitation. We see that later on in this passage. And it's illustrated when this man turns up wearing the wrong clothes. Verses five to seven. Let's take a look at those verses now. They still say no. They make excuses as to why they should not be at this party. We hear that they paid no attention. They walked off. One went into his field. Another went to his business. Friends, this is an invitation you do not want to keep unopened in the top drawer of your kitchen cupboard. It's an invitation that we need to make our business today because all are invited to the king's party. Now look, they even killed those who did the inviting. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king is enraged. He sends out his army and destroyed them and he burned their city. And here we see the sovereignty of God. We see his power. We see his heart for righteousness, for all things to be made right, for all things to be made new. Now, some scholars have suggested that um, actually verse seven can be seen as a warning to the Jews, referring to the consequences of rejecting Jesus as the Messiah and rebelling against Roman authority. And the king's wrath and destruction of the city and those who rejected his invitation can actually be interpreted as a symbolic representation of the judgment that would come upon the Jewish people if they continued to reject Jesus. Indeed, we know, don't we, from history that Jerusalem, the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD. It burned. Verses eight to 10. Things now begin to take a turn. The staff are to go to the highways and the byways and invite everyone they find, the rich, the poor, the young, the old. Everyone gets an invite. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. And the servants went out to the streets. They gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the banquet hall was full of guests. Friends, this is extraordinary because remember, this is the scene of a royal wedding. Normally only the elite would be invited in, but now here, Everybody, 
Even those who are found on the street corners, the bad are invited in. Regardless of moral character, social status, every single person is invited to this celebration. Now, let me humbly present it to us all, myself included, that either this will encourage us or offend us. Encourage us because there's grace for all of us, regardless of our past or present circumstances. Or might it even offend us because we are self-righteous, because we are judgmental. The king invites those who are considered bad by society. And this challenges our sense of superiority that we may have and highlights the fact that actually all people are equal in the eyes of God and we are all in need of his grace. And soon the wedding hall is filled with all of these people that are turning up Now, by the way, what a magnificent sight. Just close your eyes for a moment and imagine the sight here before us. Poor people, bad people, those on the edge, the hurting, the wedding hall. What a glorious picture of the church, of radical family. This is a picture of the new city where people of all kinds one day will be united together. But isn't that our desire whilst we're here on earth, in this place, in this city, that all kinds of people are represented and invited to fill God's house here on earth. Now, I'd love us to note the role of the servants in this. The servants go out to gather the guests who represent the disciples and other messengers of Jesus who spread the gospel message and invite people to enter into a relationship with God. Friends, you and I are all servants of God. We're commissioned to go out to proclaim the good news of Jesus into the streets, onto the corners, gathering all the people we can find, the bad as well as the good, so that on that day, the wedding hall will be filled with guests. Can you begin to see the role that God invites you to co-partner with? It's for you and I to share in. What a wonderful privilege it is to be his servant. Let's take a look at verses 11 to 13 as we come into land with this passage. The king, who is the host of the party, he now comes into the room to greet his guests as any good host would do. But after seeing one man who is not dressed in wedding clothes, we see that the king is not happy. In verse 12, the king says to him, how did you get in? Have you ever been to an event where someone's like, how did you get in? That's most events, to be honest, for me. And this man, he had no words. And so in verse 13, we see that the man is actually thrown out of the party. 
tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is serious stuff. I've been away for a few days this week and um, I was staying in a hotel in Harrogate and I was in a bit of a rush to get out of the hotel room and it, um, it now transpires that I left half my clothes in the wardrobe. Now, unfortunately, I was going on from Harrogate to somewhere else, so I needed my clothes. I arrived somewhere else on Thursday night, opened the suitcase. There was not all the things that I required to remain with some dignity. <laughs> anyway, I thought I'm pretty good at think, you know, being resourceful, seeing what's around me. Um, and in the morning, it came to uh, the shower time. I thought, I need a shower. I'm not going to stress too much about not having a, a towel. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. <laughs> Went for the shower, got out of the shower, and then reality struck. Okay, so I just used a T-shirt and basically, you know, dried myself off. It wasn't ideal. It was a dirty T-shirt, so I probably needed another shower immediately after. The reality is I was ill-prepared. It didn't go to plan, okay? Now, what's going on here in this passage is slightly different, but... Why, we need to ask, has the king thrown out this man? All the, these people have just come, the poor, the ones from the streets. Surely none of them had a posh wedding outfit. Well, we need to make sense of this. And we need to understand that actually in the first century ancient Near East, if the king threw a party, he would provide the wedding clothes for his guests. He would buy everyone a wedding outfit. That was the same today, don't you? These clothes were a sign of the host's hospitality, a way of ensuring that all guests were clothed appropriately for the occasion. It was the king's way of saying, I'm going to clothe you with honour. The fact that the man is not wearing wedding clothes suggests that he either refused to put them on or he did not appreciate their significance. I, he rejected the king's hospitality or, like me, he wasn't prepared for the king's party. You see, this man wasn't thrown out because he was bad. He wasn't thrown out because he was poor. We know that all people, the good and the bad, the elite, the poor, were all invited but he was thrown out of the party because he rejected the king's offer to be clothed in the royal wedding outfit. This man who has been thrown out has not been clothed by the king. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that guests must be clothed at the king's expense. Do you get that? Guests must be clothed at the king's expense. Death on a cross. In Revelation, we discover that all who are victorious will be clothed in white. Clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. 
Friends, our white wedding clothes are waiting for us. And they're washed white by the blood of Jesus. So will we, Christ's bride, the church, clothe ourselves in robes of victory and of righteousness that is only found in Jesus. Because the invitation is ours, but it's also everybody else's. We are the servants. Will we go out to the street corners and extend the invitation to our city and beyond? I'm going to put this white garment on here. Don't laugh because this is going to be waiting for you as well. We're going to be clothed in white. Wow. Now, very quickly, I want us to look at what does this mean for us very practically as we seek to love Newcastle. Well, like the king, we are to be generous, generous in our hospitality. Look at the feast that the king put on. It was extravagant. It was an extravagant sign of love for for his guests. And we are called to model that same level of generosity in the way that we love and welcome people here in this place. Now, St. Thomas's, we want to be generous with what we've got. We've got a beautiful building. We've just started to open it most days of the week and we're having some incredible conversations with people as we begin to proclaim the gospel to those people. We want to be generous in making this place a place of hospitality. We perhaps can't match the choicest, uh, finest wines and meats, but we can do our best, surely. The footfall um, past this church is quite literally extraordinary. It is a gift to us to be here for such a time as this. We want people to encounter Jesus, to follow him and to join the family as we all get involved in building the community generous in our hospitality. We can do that here, but we can do it in our homes. We can all do it in ways that looks different to one another, but is gifted uniquely to you. Generous in inviting as well. Just like the servants in this passage, we're sent out by the king. How amazing. We are commissioned by the king of kings to go out to invite people, everyone, to come and follow Jesus. We are to invite everybody to this eternal feast. Notice how liberally the invitations were given out. Friends, do not hold back. Invite everybody. As a community together, what an impact can that make? Friends, we are called to be generous in inviting. So very practically, I'd love to challenge us all this week, which three people in our lives can we be inviting 
to come and know and meet Jesus? Can we be praying for three people in our lives to come and know the invitation of Jesus? And finally, generous in giving away. The king didn't hold on to what he had. He gave it away. He put on a feast. He even clothed his guests at his own expense. This is how generous God is to us. He clothed us at his expense. He sent Jesus to die for us so that we can wear on that day royal robes of white. We can't get into this place on our own. It's at his expense that we are in. We're to be clothed in the robes of righteousness. And you know what? We are called to look like God. We're called to look like God because he has given away everything so that we can give everything back in return. We're called to give everything he has given us away. Now, what does this look like for us here at St. Thomas's? Well, we try as a resource church for the diocese. The resources aren't meant to be stored up here just for us to keep to ourselves. Resources are meant to be given away to resource other people. This past week, our team was able to live stream a national conference, the New Wine Leadership. Our worship team in the summer will be hosting worship at Luminosity, the youth venue at New Wine. It is about having a posture of giving away, not holding things on for us. God has given so that we may a blessing, be a blessing to other people. So let me ask, what has God given to you? And what can you give away that God has given you? It may be money. It may be time. It may be a talent. But is God calling you today to be just as extravagant as he is? You know, this year we're going to be planting a church, if you don't already know, um, somewhere across the diocese. And we all need to be involved in that. Whether we're, we're part of the team that sends the church plant or we're part of the team that is being sent. We want to give away and resource people and churches so that we see revitalization across this region because we serve a generous God, a God who loves this city more than we do. He loves this city more than we do. And he is inviting the people of Newcastle and the Northeast to the feast. So let's be generous and give to the cause. Because I don't know about you, but I long to see our city, the people of our city and beyond, clothed in robes of white. Do you? Amen. I invite us to stand if you're able. We're going to respond.